I was with some people, and this one girl was explaining astrology, and why it was, and why it was real. And she said, well, the oceans and the water uh, are all affected by a full moon. And so what does that mean for us? Because we're 70% water. I asked, well, what does that mean for cucumbers? Boom! We're back into it. It's another Tuesday. It's another phrase of the day. Episode number 17, coming to you live from Malibu, California. That's right, Malibu. <laughs> I do know her. That joke format doesn't work. Welcome to Phrase of the Day with Simon Fraser. So today, we are fully talking stand-up. Number one, I want to get guests on this podcast. So technically, we're not all talking stand-up. These next 10 seconds are going to be me saying that I want to have guests on this podcast, but I don't know who to ask. So I want to have guests on this podcast, but I don't know who to ask. All right, now this podcast is all about stand-up. Wait, I lied. I have to do one more thing. I have to uh, just quickly read an ad about Manscaped. So that will be one minute. If you don't want to hear Manscaped ads, uh, go a minute forwards. Just do that. Uh, But if you do want to hear Manscaped, uh, listen up. (laughs) Listen up. (laughs) I've lost every ounce of credibility with accepting this sponsorship. Valentine's Day is almost upon us, fellas. So make sure you're ready for wherever the night may take you. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, are here to tell you that you need to use the best tools for the job so you can be ready for anything on that special day. I don't know why you wouldn't use Manscaped. Why would you want anything? Why Why don't you... You should use Manscaped. This is me talking to you straight. I'm not reading from the script. It's just you want to be groomed. You don't want to shave it. You don't want to shave it all off. Like you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to be just bare down there. But you also don't want it to be, you know, a forest. You want it to be in the middle, uh, like a, like Joe Mansion. Yeah, make your pubes <laughs> look like Joe Mansion, and and so get twenty percent off with free shipping with the code uh, SwissMilk at Manscaped.com. Twenty percent off with the code SwissMilk at Manscaped.com. Happy Valentine's Day from Manscaped. So, I had an incredible experience the other day, two days ago. Finally, someone gave it to me straight. Uh, I, I want to be clear, women have been giving it to me straight, not that often. Um, but, but I meant more in the context of stand-up, you know? Uh, that someone actually told me what was wrong with my show, or what was wrong with my act. And because all the time I just surround myself. I've been begging for this, for people to be honest. And I think people are being honest. They just don't have that critical eye that this one person who didn't know me, but had watched my show, uh, had, he had this incredible eye, you know, this, this eye for stand-up for, he's a writer and he really picked it apart. And I was like, this is amazing because this is exactly what I've been missing. This kind of brutal honesty, Uh, you know, it was, you know, I felt like crap after it because I was like, damn, I'm really bad at this, this stand-up stuff. But you have to feel like crap to get rid of the crap, yeah? Because no one tells you, you when you get into comedy, he, his whole thing was you need a distinctive voice. And you don't have a distinctive voice. You're kind of towing the line between like a whimsical act of just bits and honest work. And you need to go into one of those two. And you need to be much more specific with the work you're trying to do. And I was like, that's amazing. I wish someone 
in the four years I've been doing stand-up had told me that. Because no one tells you you need a distinct voice when you get into comedy. You know, I got into comedy because I was like, ah, yes, I shall tell one laugh after another. And there will be completely different laughs, and that will not matter because everyone will be laughing so much. Well, two issues with that. Number one, no one laughs in the first place. And number two, I didn't realize that people expect a comedian to have a cogent voice on a, on a topic or a matter. Um, like, the, you have to be clear. It, it's not just about the laughs. It's about the act. Um, and no one told me that. Um, you know, like, for example, Chappelle talks race and class using his own perspective and experience. Uh, Don Rickles, insult comedy. He was only insult comedy. That was his, that was his act. Bill Burr, you know, angry white dude using ridiculous logic. Uh, James Acaster, bloody weird guy. Uh, all these things are like, that's how you describe the person. And I don't know how I would describe myself. I think I, I have a lot of adjectives I would use. Um, I would use a lot of adjectives. Uh, good storyteller, confident, energetic, physical, uh, honest, zany, uh, detailed, detailed storyteller, intelligent without pe leaving people out. A bit meta, uh, self-deprecating, you know, a little bit dark here and there. Like, that's how I would describe myself. But I don't think that's a voice, you know. That's not the same as saying Chappelle talks race and class using his own experience. Uh, and, God, it's hard. God, it's hard to do that. Um, but it also, if you dig deeper, you'll realize, I don't know. I just find that annoying. I don't find it annoying. I do find it. I find it frustrating. Because on the one hand, you have critical comedy, which is where people think about the comedy they're consuming and see it as an art form. And then you have like 80% of the population who are just there to laugh and just want to see something funny. And yet that 20% is so dominant because that's where the critics are. That's where the serious honchos are. But there's a lot of um, people who just want, just want to hear jokes, don't care about the act. And... You know, are you performing for your comedians or are you performing for your audience? I don't know. Because um, I don't think that many people think that critically. Um, but again, here's an example of when you lose touch with the common person and you become too critically involved in your work, it suffers. To quote Rudyard Kipling, who I believe is, is not, was not on the right side of history, um, he said, if you can walk with kings nor lose the common touch then you'll be a man. And I don't think that's quoted completely correctly, but it's it's he's right. You know, you got to you got to stay in touch. And you don't want to you don't want your comedy to become too serious because then sure the nerds will like it, but the every the everyday man or woman are they going to like it? I don't know. It's it's an interesting question. Um it's also interesting just to think about how different comedians use techniques to further their voices. Like Mulaney, for example, uh, he, I think his voice, he's a whimsical old man stuck in a young man's body with just a general relatability for the suffering of life. Um, and the way he does it, four, four ways he does it. I watched this YouTube video, which explained how he does it. Crazy how much good stuff there is on YouTube. Uh, he essentially uses culture references, pop culture references, like... A reference to Gary Busey or Chris Christie, which are relatable for everyone, which makes him more relatable. Then he uses analogies as well to make things that are less familiar more familiar, uh, which again makes it more relatable. He uses asides to be quirky. 
and also relatable. He'll just simple stuff like, you know, life or, you know, like a liar. Uh, and then finally, he uses gestures which are entertaining and can create cr- greater physicality uh, and can, can draw the audience more and makes him seem more human, more relatable. And I mean, that's genius of him to do that. Genius of this YouTube video to pick that apart as well. And I don't know. Like, I'm trying to figure out what techniques I need to use. But first, I need to figure out what my voice is. This guy who was giving it to me blunt, who was giving it to me Emily Blunt, um, said, you need to buy into your incel voice. I was like, whoa, I didn't realize I had that. (laughs) But um, he was like, yeah, you need to buy buy more into the idea that, like, you're an incel. (laughs) I was like, I don't think I, you know... That's that's a bit rude, but I, I, I get it. Uh, I don't know what my voice is, though. Initially, I said zany, but that's not enough. You know, Robin Williams was zany, but he was more. You know, I think I'm zany, smart, and honest, but that's not a voice. Maybe, like, a likable rich person? That's not very nuanced, though. Uh, also, like, who has interest in that? Maybe some people? I, I mean, maybe there's something there. But I think I need to tap more into the human psyche like just be figure out a way to present myself as relatable for everyone and and i think like one way people think a lot about like hotness without even thinking about it like all these hot contests i run on my instagram people really get involved because it's really easy like everyone just instinctually knows whether someone is hot or not and it makes up so much of our society and we're in many weird ways i think maybe that could be my niche talking about hotness attraction but at the same time that's not what I want my comedy to be necessary I just want to tell stories and entertain people but I I don't know if I have to like pick a topic I do have to pick a topic and it's just hard to figure out what to pick so this guy I was chatting to he said it would be interesting to talk about attraction and all the things that come along with attraction he also said make my show a coming of age story Um, dealing, dealing with the idea of reality versus perception um how we tell lies to ourselves to keep ourselves happy when really other people see us even though people see us differently regardless of the lies we tell ourselves like i'm hot and it's like no you're a five um and i'll do that through the lenses of attraction and privilege using my own personal experiences to shed light on both and what does that mean i have no clue but i wrote it down Um, I think also maybe it should play on, I just don't know like what makes a voice versus what's just a question. Like one of the key questions I'm trying to answer is like, why should I even be a comedian? Yeah. If I have a perfect, like the audience will look at me and say, oh, he has a perfect material life. What's so funny about that? My truth is like, yes to you. But to me, I feel I've had a life, which is very, um, which is not so perfect, even though it kind of is. And that's another lie. Is that a lie that someone tells? Is that a lie that I'm telling myself to to convince myself that I'm in the struggle? Like white, like white liberal women who give themselves bangs to tell themselves they're part of the movement. I don't know. Um, but there, there are. I'm not. It's just so complicated. I wish I, I wish I had a teacher or something like that who could just. T- I wish who could just tell me like what I need to do. I'm just trying to figure this all out by myself. And if I just had a fact sheet of what you need to go for, then I think I, that I would save myself many years. 
Um, but yeah, so that's how I think I'm trying to develop my voice, aka I'm clueless, but I think I'm coming a bit closer to it. And as this podcast progresses, I'll hopefully be able to explain more and get a clearer picture, which is cool to come back on this because right now I'm fully clueless. But then I've been thinking about how to structure the show, structure my act. Um, and, you know, f- firstly, think about scaffolding. You know, how do you how do you build the act as a whole? And one thing that I did before I took it out of my act, but then a friend reminded me it was quite good, is numbers. So Mike Babiglia, Dave Chappelle, many others, they do a counting trick, which always works, where they say, I'm going to tell you five, like Dave Chappelle's like, let me tell you about the four times I met OJ Simpson. Well, Mike Babiglia is like, let me tell you the seven times that, oh, sorry, let me give you the seven reasons why you shouldn't have kids. And then he'll start off with a very long one. It always, at least Babiglia does that, I guess, a bit more skilled in this context he'll he'll start off with a very long one he'll be like number one and then goes on a 20 minute bit and then he and then the audience will practically forget he said i've given you seven seven reasons and then at the end he'll be like number two and it'll always get a laugh and then he'll and then you can do like number three and then you can do like a slightly shorter bit about number two and then you go in number three still a laugh and then quickly transition to number four quickly transition into number five so it picks up the pace pace oh my god breaks up the rhythm uh breaks up the patterns uh which which just is is a good technique and so i'm trying to do that with a technique about how i'll tell the audience i'm going to tell you five lies tonight but i'm not gonna but i'm gonna tell you everything that i tell you tonight is going to be truthful uh except for five things i'm going to lie to you five times but i'll tell you when i do which i think is a pretty interesting way of doing the show to really like emphasize that what you're telling is honest because that is part of what i want to be as a comedian as an honest comedian but then also what's the point of being honest like what does it get you i don't know i think everyone likes honesty but i'm not sure why maybe it just people like seeing people and like real people but i don't know that's another question i have uh, but anyway so that's one way of scaffolding the show uh, another way is the presentation pre- in terms of structuring the show presentation Often, I feel comedians, if they're telling, like, long-form stories, Ali Wong, Mike Babigler, they'll often start with a lot of unrelated stories put together that return in relevance as the show progresses. And the way that's best done is through callbacks. Uh, And and callbacks, callbacks will immediately bring to mind a previous bit and make clear that what you're talking about is related to what was previously said. I also think callbacks, they can't just be referencing what you've said before. They have to be effective. Like, for example, to compare two bits of Mike Babiglia's, in Two Drink Mike, which is his first stand-up album in 2006, he uses a technique where he does two bits about different things. I can't remember what the bits are. Uh, But he does two bits, and there's a punchline or a tag to each one that's memorable. And then he does a bit that seems unrelated seems completely unrelated to those two but at the end he kind of ties it together and then he says a line from each of the previous two bits which makes it clear that it all ties together and it's good because it's very it's very clever but it, the the point is a bit muted because it's kind of like okay you said all this stuff and it's very funny that you've done it but i don't know exactly what the point you're trying to make is whereas then thank god for jokes 
he he does the whole show kind of climax and uh, not climaxes but at one point suddenly climaxes in this part where he does a triple callback where he says essentially i can't remember i'm he i can't remember what he's he says he's talking about this guy who died he makes a joke about this guy who died and then the audience goes into like a hush state and he says i'm joking um which is a reference to a previous bit where he says no comedian should ever have to say they're joking and then after he says i'm joking he says waka 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 which is a reference to an earlier bit about uh, performing with the muppets and i can't remember exactly what the point of that was and then he says get her done which is another callback and all of it makes more sense like it has a point so callbacks so it's not it's not just about making sure the callbacks make sense they have to make a point um and maybe even like callbacks can be techniques like a previous technique you employed in the show i think one way i'm going to do it for example i have a bit where i speed where i tell the same joke but at like five times speed to show how well i know my material and so maybe later on in the show i'll do another bit i'll repeat another bit five times at five times speed and that would work even it's a it's a form or a technique callback rather than a uh, word callback, which I think would be cool. I think that would work very well actually. Uh, but you also don't want to use callbacks too much because then it's kind of like oh my god, oh my god. Like they want to be scattered in there enough to keep your attention, but you don't want to go overboard with them. And then I guess in terms of presentation and how you structure the show, I guess how you structure the show reveals stuff about yourself in itself like choosing what information to put up front what information to put in the middle what you choose to conclude with that is all evidence of how you view yourself as well as much as this actual stuff you say um you know how what causes in in your mind as you tell this story linearly uh as you tell the story even though the plot may be non-linear you're telling it linearly what causes what to happen in your mind that can reveal stuff so it's so much to consider and then like how do you reveal information you know for example my one of my main aims is to be likable enough like i think one of the challenges i have with my comedy is immediately on paper no one should like me i'm privileged uh i'm very privileged i'm rich um white male you know all those but more specifically like rich which i think is the ultimate turnoff like why would anyone want to laugh or like someone who's doing better than them and that's that's absolutely my challenge and so is it a question of do you lead with that information and then try and win the audience back over or do you lure them in and be like haha i've got you laughing without revealing this information and now and now i'm going to reveal it and you're going to be like oh he is that but i also like him already and it's it's hard to win over a crowd so maybe that so maybe i should lead with a story and then feed it in rather than coming straight off the bat with it um you know storytelling i think is one of my strengths so maybe start with a story but then also people it's so hard because so many people have different tastes like some people love stories but some people just really enjoy my bits that i have and so i don't know what to go for i i it's it's hard it's all hard and then the final part of the show which i'm always confused about well not confused about i think i just had not sure what the right answer is 
is the conclusion. And my question is, do you need a serious part to end the show? Like, do you need to tell the audience what this show is about? Uh, or can the audience figure it out by themselves? Is, is, the end, is the end necessary? Like, Hannah Gadsby in Nanette, she explains how, you know, a joke has a setup and a punchline. But a story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And a, so a joke doesn't allow for the end, which is the, which is the moment of reflection or contemplation. It just has the middle. Uh, and if that makes sense, I hope that makes sense. Uh, and I think a lot, some people obviously will always be like, what, what's he trying to say with this? But a lot of people are just there to laugh. Like a lot of people come to comedy shows and they're like, I just want to have a good time. And again, about not losing the common touch. Don't get too into your work and just remember who you're performing for. Uh, and so I, th I guess my take is those who want to think about the show can do it on their own time. Like I'm presenting them with all the information they need to make their own conclusions. And after all, who cares what I think when you could think? Uh, and I think people only care what I think because they're lazy and so don't know what to think. Maybe there's also a reverence for the performer in American culture that they know more, even though really I know nothing. Um, but it is interesting, like, it, it's hard to know, like, do you, do you present that information? Do you say, like, and so, I've told you all of this because this? Or do you, le or do you just give that, or do you just leave it in the middle and leave it for them to figure out the end? I kind of like that idea. Um, so I guess I kind of agree and disagree with Hannah Gadsby on the idea that a joke isn't, doesn't allow for that catharsis it's just it should be on the burden of it's just everyone perceives things differently and so you can make up your mind on it which i guess relates to the show about perception versus how you perceive yourself versus how others perceive yourself perception versus reality expectation versus reality what what something actually means versus what you think it means so that's interesting um but then also like there are so many things like Unless you say something, people don't know you think that. Uh, and it's just hard to know whether you, like, just stop the show and, like, pause for a meaningful moment. Like, do you say... Do, like, I have meaningful things to say. Like, you you don't have to be proud of something to be glad it happened. Or, um, I go to I go to different places to avoid my life of privilege, but the only thing that allows me to do so is my privilege. Or, you know, you can live in... A fantasy land where you tell yourself all these lies, but at the end of the day, will you always, who you are, will always be how others perceive you, or will it be how you perceive yourself? Something like that. Like, how do I put that in there? Just as a sneaky sentence? Or do I s disrupt the whole flow of the show to make a point? I don't know. I do not know. I do not know at all.